I have no words. Just I'm like, God, I thank you. That's all I can really say is, God, I thank you. Again, five years of faithfulness. And, you know, I was thinking about, like, seasons, because things tend to move in cycles. That will have a season of bam, and it's, like, narrow. But it's, like, I've always noticed that in seasons of bam and narrow, there's always people who tend to jump on it. We grow and we grow and develop. And first of all, I just want to tell you all thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and commitment to being here. Um, for some, like, you know, I look at people, I'm like, I don't look at y'all like, y'all have to be here. You choose to be here. You make a decision, you made a decision choice. I'm going to give up some time on my Sunday to come and gather with a crazy ragtag bunch of people. <laughs> we crazy. Amen. And really, truly, you know, learn from God. And I shared something last week, and it really resonated with me, that with pretty much the majority of us, including me, <laughs> that at some point in our lives, church has burned us. The concept of church has burned us. The people in not the, the building did not grow legs and go <clears throat> on you. The people in it, because, you know, we're human and we, 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 we do human things sometimes. Um, we tend to make mistakes. And, you know, as, as I shared last week and as Leroy and I talked about it last week, that sometimes as Christians, we tend to kill off our young and kill off our weak rather than building up people and restoring them. And... It kind of goes back to why this church is called True Vision. It's not so much about me or what I want. It's not about that. What it's about is that a true vision is something that God gives you. And I always tell people that we see people as God sees them. I mean, we have all these tags and stuff and all, and all, this, all these things, all this baggage that we tend to bring into our our church and our life experiences. But no one ever really tells us, what does God see? And really reflecting upon last week's message, did y'all have a good time on last week's message? That was a word, that was a whole word. <laughs> you have to get to the, to the place of God, the house of God, to hear from the God of the house of God, to learn your name so that way you may be a sacrifice. And that's always been the core of this church, for people to know who they are in God. And I hope during your time being a part of here, no matter how long or short it's been, and even for those who have been with us and gone on and done bigger and greater things, that I hope that, that this ministry has been a place of healing, of growth, of teaching. And ultimately, it is a place that you are learning who, who you truly are. And who you are in God and that who, you're, who you are in God is becoming known in who you are around the people that you love, the people, people of that, well, at your work or those you encounter in your everyday lives. Because ultimately, the place of gathering is a place of change. And it's a place of growth. And I'm honored and privileged to be a part of your growth. It's really, truly, I'm honored and privileged that you all trust me to be your pastor. And that's something that I'm forever grateful for. And I just need y'all to know this, that you are truly loved. It's not that fake, that fake Sunday, oh, praise the Lord, love. I, I legit love y'all. I know Pastor Rachel, she was here, she would echo the saying, we legitimately love you. If we weren't pastoring in this church, we'd be in these seats right along with you. 
because there there is something special here. And I was, well, God and I were having an argument on the way here, which we typically do. And God began to show, share some things with me about the church. Like, why is it, th- this isn't happening, this isn't happening. And God said, I will pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And like, and part of the reason why we're like, ah, is because God has given us a blessing that is way bigger than anything that we've ever imagined. And okay, well, okay, God, how do we carry it? And I was vacillating between preaching this message and the message from the launch Sunday, which would have been five years ago today. And God said, no, go back to the very first one. Keep, stay there, because I had you go there for a reason. So we're going to be talking about, so we're going to jump back to jump forward today. Is that all right? So as I always say, as I tend to say, I, I went into the cookbook again. <laughs> And we're going to talk about the blueprint, right, the vision, but this time, five years later. The blueprint, right, the vision, five years later. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word to those who are willing to hear and those who are willing to receive what this word has for us. Now, Lord God, I pray that you exceed the oil that was on this message five years ago and use it to propel us forward into the next five years, Lord. And God, we just give you all the glory and praise. We thank you for the ability to be able to gather together. And Lord God, I pray that I decrease and you increase in me so that way you may be glorified by everything that is said, by everything that is done. In Jesus' Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give you the introduction, the exact introduction, from May 28th, 2017. Over the next four months, we are walking into a season of groundbreaking. The purpose of a groundbreaking is twofold. The purpose is to show the start of what is to come. When we go to a groundbreaking ceremony, there are no cranes, no beams up, not even concrete, just chairs sitting on dirt and people holding shovels. They dig a shallow hole in the ground and turn the dirt as a ceremony. Before you can turn the dirt, there must be a vision of what is going to be built upon that spot. What is its function? What does the outside look like? What color will the desks and walls be? Based on those and many other questions, there must be a blueprint explaining the plan for the building. So when we started, our our motto was saving the lost, healing the saved, equipping the church. And that our focus at that time was to become, to be a place of healing and also a place of helping. And the evidence clearly shows that we've done that, amen? Would y'all, would y'all agree that we've done that? We've served the community. We've brought people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've helped those who've already been in the church be a place of healing. Like we always we tell people that true vision is, is the hideout. <laughs> like we're, just, we're not going to tell people that you're here because we want to focus you on your healing and on your, on your restoration and most of all on becoming who God has called for you to be. And there's not a lot of places where you can just sit back and rest. And then God has been transforming that vision 
to what we started last year with a culture of sharers. So the purpose of this church has grown to be a place of saving and healing, alignment and restoration, equipping and release. We preach and teach the saving and healing power of Jesus Christ and lead people to, to the knowledge of him. We help people come into alignment with, with, in their relationship with God and, and, bring, and become a place of restoration, not just spiritually, but physically and emotionally. That we are a place of equipping. That means we prepare people not just to do the gospel work, but to live a life that they're called to live in, in, in Jesus Christ. Be a, help you find a job. Help you know, you know, pay, pay your rent. Help you get into that first place. Help you get what you need. And then ultimately be a place of release to help you go out and fulfill the, the Great Commission and live your life as God has intended. So it's a beautiful thing looking from we don't know where this is going to go and looking back five years later and saying, look what God has done. But the work isn't finished yet. Let's go to the word on this. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4. This is actually the, the main scripture for this church. And I'm actually going to be reading from the New King James because that's how I that's where I got it from when I um when I did the original message. So Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4 says this. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and not lie. Though it tarries. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. When, you, when, when, you're, at, when, you're, when you're creating the blueprint, when you're creating the plan, you have no idea what this, what this looks like. So you're literally sitting at a drafting table and you're drawing out what the, how the room's going to be laid out, how everything's going to fit, how, how everything is going to hopefully fit, that where all the electricity is going to go, where everything's going to be, so that way you have a working plan on where things go. I know when I was building the journalism department at my job, I had also began creating what the room would look like. So I literally bought drafting software and, it would, and got the dimensions of the room that I wanted to take. And then I literally sat down and began to lay out the blueprints. Okay, this side was going to be where the lecture, the lecturing area. We had tables um, in um, and an arch, and we had we had two whiteboards and a TV mounted. We had additional TVs mounted as well, so people could see what's going on. Um, the room has like two TVs in the ceiling and the projector. And I said, "We'll take the projector out. We'll keep the two TVs in there, so that way I can cheat." <laughs> So that I'll have to keep going, well, this, and it, I can just look ahead and keep going. And then the room was, was going to be divided in half with two sliding doors that slid into the walls and a window so I can see what's going on the other side. On the other side, you had a news area. We had an area to where people can work on, work on um, writing articles, work on editing. If they need to just come in and do work, they can come and do the school work. Then we had a massive space that was going to be a practice TV studio, and then a smaller space that was a podcast studio. And I could literally go from 2D into a 3D view of it and practically stand in the space. It was cool. I wish we could have built it. 
But it's funny when God gives you a vision because God will give you the 2D perspective of a thing, but then he'll say, okay, let me just put you in it so that way you know when things happen, it's me. He's like, I'll show you this and I'll show you this. I won't show you how you get there. That's where faith comes in. I'm going to show you the checkpoints. I'm going to show you the end result. But you have to trust me to get to where you need to go. So when God gives you a vision, you literally need to write it down. You need to put it some, you need to put it to paper so that way you have something to hold on to. A part of the reason why people tend to go through the things that they go through and deal with the things that they deal with is because of the, because of the simple fact that they don't have the vision written down. They have ideas, but fail to realize that the ideas that God has been pouring into is, have, has actually been preparing you for where he's calling you to go. Some of y'all might not know this, that I had the name of this church in my head since I was nine years old. I knew it was going to be true vision. I didn't know what it was. And all I knew is that God said, oh, you're going to be a pastor. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. But what he showed me, he showed me the end result-ish. It was a checkpoint. But he never really gave me the middle. So young little old me had to learn how to walk this journey out. Growing and developing in my calling. Growing and developing what God called me to be. And as I was growing and developing, he kept giving me the blueprint. He kept giving me more and more and more. So that way, when we got to 2017, it wasn't just, oh, we're just going to go to church. We're just going to go to church. There was a reason, there was a purpose, and there was a vision. And then in Proverbs 29, 18, I'm going to read it to you two ways. First in the New King James, and then in the King James, because we need to break this down. It says this in the New King James, where there is no revelation. The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Then we're going to look at it again in the King James. And it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. A directionless life or, or ministry or something done amid confusion leads to destruction. I've been looking at my students, and I find it funny that my current job is literally like pouring into all the first-year students. And the first thing I say to them is that where there is no vision, there is chaos. They're like, how can you say that to college students? They don't know. How can they know it in a word anyway? It is what it is. No, where there is no vision, there's chaos. And for many students who come, who come across, across my desk, be it um, in the the first year role or even teaching English, we have a lot of people who know that college is a good thing, but there's, but there's no indirection to run to. For some people, even in our marital relationships, that we know getting married is a good thing, you know, but people, it's better to marry than to burn. But you know, but we bring all these things up. <laughs> like we bring all these things up, but there is no, we don't know how we're gonna walk this journey out together. Here's the thing about me and Pastor Rachel, we've known each other for, for a little bit, Hey, baby. You know, we've, we knew each other for a little bit, and she kind of knew where this was going to go. Like, when I was 19 and she was 20, we kind of knew how this was going to play out. And that determined the gap 
of seven years. And the thing is, I thank God for that gap because that gave us time to get to know ourselves and know who we are, become stronger in our faith individually. So when we could come together, we were able to withstand the scrutiny that would come in pastoring and withstand all the things that would come in ministry. And we had a common goal that we were going to serve God together. I need y'all to understand that when we started this church, Theo was six months old. <laughs> When I was writing the ministry covenant of the church, Theo was about three months old. We had just had him. And, you know, coming into this literally as new parents, we had to have a vision and a plan for how we were going to do this and do this together. Now we got, now we got her. <laughs> yeah, we got a baby in the project. Now we got her. She, she, and she's both all at one time. <laughs> but, here's, but, but we had to figure this out, how we're going to pastor effectively, how we're going to start something completely from scratch in a city that, you know, I'm not from Lancaster, she is, but to both of us, it was a strange land. It was different. And even the circumstances, because God got jokes, even the circumstances that brought us down here were something amazing because, because initially we were actually supposed to take over another church. That didn't last long. Like literally, like like we were supposed to, we were supposed to, we were supposed to take over another church. We were supposed to step in. Literally, we had a two-year plan, and that lasted all the seven weeks. And prior to that, which I probably never told y'all this story, when I was I was driving to our our mother church, Judah Christian Community. So we're driving. I'm driving, and I'm on Courtright Road near Livingston, about to turn on Livingston to get to Judah. I remember I was looking at the Jiffy Lube billboard, and God said, if I sent you to Lancaster, would you go? It's one of the few times in my life that I told God no. I actually, I laughed and said no. And then he came down here and did a worship conference with the pastor I was supposed to end up replacing. And then God was like, <laughs> he looked at me and said, do you want my church? The pastor, we're walking, it's me, him, Pastor Rice. The pastor looked at me and says, do you want my church? What pastor just wants to say, hey, oh, BT Dubs, here's my church. You may have them. <laughs> right? So we ended up coming down, and then I call it the whale. <laughs> because, you know, Jonah wanted to, um, was focused on, on his people, the Israelites. I was focused on Columbus. I was perfectly fine. I was getting paid, singing my guts out, directing choirs. It was great. So, but we made the sacrifice to literally move down here, not knowing what was going on. But God reminded me of a vision that I had when I was nine years old. For many people, when you're starting something, when you're building something, you come into it because you're mad at somebody. You come into it because I can do it better, but you have no direction. See, when God, when God has establishes something in you, he will give you the path of, 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 of at least how to start and then how to go. And then you have to trust him like he's your GPS to follow, to follow the journey. Same thing in our, in our everyday lives. When we trust God and when we follow him, when we, when we live by faith, he gives us the directions that we need to go so we can trust and enjoy the journey. Now, the battle with many of us is, is that we want to jump in and get in the way because the journey ain't given what it needs to give. Amen? So we tend to make choices ourselves because we think we can expedite the vision, but, but expediting the vision in our heads actually slows things down. You know, I'm going to be honest, like in the five years of us having this church, I've been, I've been totally guilty of that. 
Like, you know, some pastor be like, oh, I'm at, oh I've, I've, I've done some things to try to push things forward, and it knocked us three, four steps back. <laughs> but what matters is that I'm able to go, okay, God, bring me back to the plan that you set out. And that deep. Bring me back to the plan that you set out. And I'm grateful for the plan. I also think I'm grateful for the moments where God was like, hey, um, you're going to take this calculated risk. Just trust me, you got this. So here's the thing, a directionless life creates apathy or stagnation. I got 10, I got like 11 minutes. <laughs> yes, I'm using the timer today, don't judge me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a directionless life leads to apathy. For a lot of people, and I might be talking to some of y'all in the room or in the internet land or on the radio right now, that the reason why you're in the situation that you are in is because you are too afraid to move forward. You're too afraid to see what the next step is going to look like, what the, what, what the vision is going to prevail. So rather than moving forward and taking the risk and being a little uncomfortable, you, tend, you, you decided you just want to stay there. So let's talk about a river, a whirlpool, and some stagnant water. So God calls for us to be a river. Moving forward, moving in a direction, carving your way through through the earth to get to the to get to the ocean by any means necessary, right? Even when rivers over time begin, their bend tends to shift over time, but but it is always what moving. And because it is moving, life can live in there because it's being oxygenated, it's being propelled forward. It has a purpose. It has a direction. It has a goal. But some of us are whirlpools where you're, in, you're moving, but you're in the same place. And all you're breeding is destruction because as you get closer to the center of it, everything in there gets sucked down and there's no way to get out. While other of us, others of us are stagnant water. The only thing that can live in us is mosquitoes. Like, remember all these years they're going to make sure if you see any stagnant water over the center, dump it out because it's, it's a breeding ground for mosquitoes and mosquitoes carry a disease. So you're producing life, but the life that you're producing is not beneficial. Ain't that crazy? That's crazy. Have y'all ever thought about it like that? The thing about people in our lives, we got those people who are handling business, moving forward. They might be, they might not be balling, but they blessed because they're because they're choosing the path that produces life, that gives forth life, that gives forth life, that gives forth sustenance. Then you have those people that they doing stuff, but every but every road they take leads to destruction. Amen. You're like, well. Mm-hmm. And then you got the then you got the stack the people who just stagnant pools of water. Ain't nothing good coming out of them, and they suck the life out you. It's the truth. It's the whole truth. They literally suck the life, the virtue, the strength out of you because all they, all they want is to take from something else. So you have to kind of look at and decide who you are in this season. Are you a river? Are you moving a direction? Are you, are you moving forward? Are you, are you, are you, go, go to Philippians 3 for me real quick because I guess this is where this needs to go. We're going to just follow the journey that God puts us on. 
Hopefully this doesn't stop the timer because I need it. It says this, not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us all who are immature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. When we are rivers, we are literally pressing forward. We're pressing towards the mark. We're pressing towards the prize. Yes, things might get rocky. Yes, there might be rapids. There might be the occasional waterfall. I mean, things might get deeper in some points and shallower in others. But the end goal is make it to the, make it to the ocean. And Because streams connect to smaller rivers. And smaller rivers connect to bigger rivers. And bigger rivers connect to, 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 the, to larger rivers. And the larger rivers connect to the ocean. A river is not meant to stay in one place. A river is meant to move forward. I want to be a river. I don't know about y'all, but I want to be a river. I want this church to be a river. I want this church to be a place to where people are able to, to get to the ocean. They can get to the heart and the nature of God. And we might have to roll, we might have to bend with the shift. We might have to deal with some situations to where someone tries to put a dam in, but we're already just producing an, um, energy for the next step because either way, we're going to get to the ocean. I'm actually almost done. So now we have to understand that the vision that God has for you is already in you. Go to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And it says this, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you hope and a future. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you 30 second context when we people take the scripture from this one moment but not think about before that they, they were in exile and god literally told them you're gonna have to be here for a hot second you're gonna let your children intermarry all the stuff yours you're gonna be here for a while but they're gonna take care of you but when the time comes i know the plans i have for you the plan has already always been there for you and when it's time for the plan to come forth you are going to find success you're going to find favor everything that god has given to you everything that god has imparted into you is all already there, there is a moment of activation. So when things get crazy, when it seems like things are going to fall apart, don't give up. You might have to live in this mess for a hot second, but trust me, the promises of God are going to be fulfilled. We as a church have seen controversy. I'm glad that most of y'all were not here for it because, whoo, that was a crazy time. That we had to go through things. We had to deal with things. We had to bounce around from place to place for a hot second. During COVID, during COVID, I was preaching my guts out in a 13 by 13 office in an office building. But God knew that what he promised us, and this is, we, we're standing, we're sitting in our promise because when we first, when, we, when I first started looking at spaces in 2017, I was standing at that, what now is what, that biker house thingy at the corner of Wheeling and Washington. Washington. And I turned around and I said, who is, what's that building? 
And I stood across the street and I looked at this building and said, God, if, if this ever come become, because we, I knew we needed to be in this neighborhood. God, if this building ever comes open, God, give it to us. But we had to jump around. We had to go through things. We had to go through splits and, and break-offs and things like that to get to this point. So that way we may fulfill our purpose. But the plan ain't done yet. Now, what y'all mean? The, what do you mean the plan's not done yet? Because there is yet more that God is calling for us to do. I got three minutes to give y'all ten minute word. Go to Isaiah 43, 16 through 21. This is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water, who brings out the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty one together. They lie down. They do not rise again. They are extinguished, put out like a wick. Do not remember past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Wild animals, jackals, and ostriches will honor me because I provide water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. That in these next five years that we're going, and we're going to be existing for the next five years, amen? We're decreeing and declaring it by faith. And it's not going to be the Just Us League. We're going to, honestly, this is, this is just a stop. This is not the end zone. There is yet more that God has for us in this city. There's yet more that, that God has for us in this country. I was early been praying about the whole national radio thing. And then all of a sudden getting an email that said, these are the rates. These are the cities that you can be in. I was like, oh, we can afford this. <laughs> There's more that our, my prayer is for us to get this building and use this as an outreach center. And because we outgrew it, we have to worship in another spot, but we still do things here. That, you know, even with me, with my elevation to the office of bishop, that there is yet more for us, to, there's yet more for us to do, that there are churches who are looking at us, there are pastors, there are ministers who have been working, who have been looking at us and seeking us out for advice and wisdom. And we, like, this is, and this is it. We are a lot bigger than what we look. I need y'all to understand that. There's interconnectivity because the growth has been weird because we are a place of release. There are some people who are not meant to be here forever. We're a way station. People come in, get revived, get restored, and they go back out. There's some people who might not have had a calling, an idea what their calling was when they walk in, and I'm believing that when they walk, that when they walk out of here, when I, when I go, hey, go do what God calls you to do. Go, go pastor that church you've been called to pastor. Go do, the, go do this thing that they know who they are. But we, the, the blueprint, we have, just, we have only hit phase one. And even with you in your lives, there is yet more that God has for you. And you have only hit phase one. And, God, and the phase two, the thing that God is taking you next is much greater than what, he, than what you've even imagined. But you have to have faith 
The just shall live by faith. Write that thing down. The business you want to do, write it down. The stuff you want to do, write it down. Keep it in your hand. Keep it and keep and as you move forward. And when things get hard, you have to go back and look at the vision. Like literally, I have to look at our website for our house second this morning to get to encourage myself because I had to remember the vision. I had to remember what God promised us, to remember what God has done over these past five years. But, but you know, I, that's that's then, this is now. We talk, we now have to move forward because God is doing something new and these next few few years about to get real interesting amen let's give god praise for the word hallelujah